This is the Blue Man Group. This is the Blue Man Group. This is the Blue Man Group. My name is Ron Ecstasy, and this is the Blue Men Group. I'm joined, as always, by my friends and co-hosts, Devin Welsh and John Bedrin. Hello, lads. Yo. My uh, voice cracked when I said lads. That was fun. Um, <laughs> I would like to compliment everybody very quickly. Yeah, very, very quickly. Let's get this over with. Yeah, John, great mic. Devin, great microphone. <laughs> Ron, good stuff. Uh, good chat before we started recording. John, Thank similarly, you. Um, good, good Thank feelings you. all around. Thank you, um, fellas. Nice background pictures on your Zoom green screens, Devin. For the listeners, Devin's is coal. It looks like, or perhaps droppings of some kind, but it looks like maybe coal. I thought it was I, coffee. I won't explain what it is. Um, it could be buckwheat, by the way. Buckwheat looks just like that because I got really? a buckwheat pillow. It's actually Datura seeds. I thought you weren't going to say. <laughs> yeah. Okay, whatever. Datura seeds. <laughs> it's Datura. Yeah, from your stream. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, this is a great opportunity, actually. Let's talk about our streams. My name is Ron Nexi. I have the Ron Nexi News Network stream Wednesday night and Friday nights, 9 to 12 or thereabouts. My name, my name is Devin. I have a stream on Twitch on Wednesdays around noon uh, with uh, my friend Mike Crumpler. We talk about... Different things, but a lot of Earwood trip reports and um, what is Earwood? What is Earwood, Devin? Earwood is a it's a website of kind of like Web 1.0 website that's still around. That um, is a forum for posting um, psychedelic or drug experience reports and for learning about drugs. Yeah, it's a uh, organization that provides information about psychoactive plants and chemicals, as well as activities and technologies that can produce altered states of consciousness. But Airwood the is the place you go when you're high, because it sounds like some enchanted wood. Yeah, but the yeah. reason we like it is because we like to talk about um, um, kind of uh, amateur pseudonymous or anonymous writing on the internet, and we like to kind of... Uh, sort of examine it. Uh, I think that's where the acronym SWIM came from, right? Someone who isn't me. Yes. Yeah. As a way of uh, deflecting potential legal issues. Wow. I've never heard of that acronym, SWIM. Yeah. Someone, Someone who isn't Wait, me what is this? did XYZ, okay. took drugs, did this and that, etc. SWIM. Um, but don't worry, let's, it's not me. Let's yeah. go swimming. Yeah. Okay. It could have been like how everyone uses Anon as short for anonymous on the internet when talking mm -hmm. about themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was the other potential future we had. Wow. Like it was like yeah. cool people who did drugs could have made swim the anonymous, you know, yeah. the name that you use online. Cool. We could, we could have been no swimmers. Idea. We could yeah. have been. Well, uh, do you know also that in HTTP colon slash slash, there was only intended to be one slash, but somehow two got involved and it's just stuck forever. That's unfortunate. I like yeah, it. That's um that's according to 
Sir Tim Berners-Lee, inventor of the World Wide Web. All right, let's begin the show. Thank you, Devin. Oh, um, by the way, my name is John Bedrian. I don't have a stream. Uh, don't try to get, find me. We got to get yet. John a stream. Yeah. I don't uh, want to stream. I will not stream content for you. Oh. Don't follow my accounts. Wow. Okay. This is. This uh, is the John Bedrian of... is at D U S Q S <laughs> on Twitter. So please follow. Damn. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there he is, and that's that's the handsome uh, group we have here that you cannot see because this is an audio podcast. But please take my word uh, that these are two very handsome men that you're listening to. Um, all right, let's jump right in as we always do. Let's find out this week in history. December thirteenth, two thousand three. Ladies and gentlemen. We got him. <laughs> U.S. forces capture Iraq's ousted dictator Saddam Hussein nearly nine months after the fall of Baghdad. Saddam is caught while hiding in a hole under a farmhouse near his hometown of Tikrit. In 2006, Saddam was sentenced to death and executed for the slaying of Iraqi Shiites during his regime. Yeah, 2003. Some what a of blast us, from the past. Yeah, some of us were still alive. And I like that, uh, or we're alive. Um, the... the I like the fact that that's history, baby. And I was there. I wasn't actually mm -hmm. in Tikrit, but um, mm -hmm. I do remember where I was <laughs> when this happened. I was like really, okay, preface this. I was really anti-war, okay? Young, young anti-war Ron, okay? And he's I was out there. His, he's since rectified his ways and I'm very <laughs> pro-war. Yeah, I'm extremely, <laughs> extremely pro-war pro because I... Uh, have major investments in Raytheon. So uh, the um, I remember I was on a field trip. Uh, it was like a weekend. It was like a, a it was with school, I'll, but we were went on a longer trip with exchange students to Chicago, and I was at the Field Museum in Chicago, and my dad knew that I was like very interested in the Iraq War and everything that happened there. And he called me and he's like, they got Saddam. And I was like, damn. <laughs> I, was, I was more like, well, fuck, that's not going to change anything. Like the, the war is still going to keep going on. But then I remember my dad just like feeding me information because there wasn't also it was like an early uh, cell phone that I took on the trip. I think it might have been my mom's cell phone because you know, it was like the trip <laughs> where it was like, OK, you can take this and in case we need to call you. And then my dad's just there was no smartphone right so my dad's just calling me every like half hour relaying information from cnn so <laughs> it's <laughs> as you can imagine you're patched in yeah exactly but then i remember also asking my dad i was like dad we're like where did they find him and, and they were like in a spider hole <laughs> yeah spider hole that's the like yeah the most vivid part of this whole story for me is the phrase spider hole yeah, I had no idea what it was. The most vivid part of the story for me is I remember the uh, the, the very important, embarrassing photo of him, yes. his face when they first yes. pull up the manhole or whatever, and you see, and he's filthy and he's dirty, yeah. he's got the huge yeah. beard and stuff, and, and he's wearing that, like, that everywhere. He's yep. wearing that like Victorian sleeping shirt that's like yep. huge and baggy and very yeah. dirty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and the 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 stock footage that went out from the U.S. military was him being like inspected for like lice and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. And so, so embarrassing. That, yeah. That was just blasted all over media. And yeah. it's, it's really Such interesting. Indignity. Obviously like 
Saddam as a dictator was just that, you know, like he, he was living a lavish lifestyle in palaces and had everything he could ever want for the past 30 years prior to 2003. Mm-hmm. And like, um, just to, you know, just now you're in a fucking spider hole and you're being inspected by U.S. military guys. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. But Time just makes fools of us all. And just the, the like the media campaign to smear him at the time, it, like I, I only, can only fully appreciate it in retrospect, like all the stories about the golden palace and the golden toilets and, <laughs> yep. you yeah, know, yeah. like how he, <laughs> oh man, you know, what a tyrant he his house was filled with jewels and diamonds and, you know, yeah. gold statues of himself and everything. And it's like, if you went into Jeff Bezos house right now, you would find yeah. exactly the same thing. The president yeah, has a Trump. golden toilet. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. But yeah, but they, it was a really effective campaign at the yeah. time. The photo, him when the, in the shitty shirt with like, you know, looking like shit in the spider hole. And then the stories of, you know, the palace and everything. It, it really, it, it was a really good uh, media campaign. We were yeah. so high on bloodlust back then. Yeah, Operation Red Dawn. And I mean, like, uh, yeah, there's a lot of those photos of, uh, you know, troops pulling him out and he looks like shit, obviously, as we said. Um, so other interesting things about the the uh, Saddam thing, it eventually came out, I remember, um, in... I don't know what publication it could have been like ESPN or something like that, <laughs> but they, they seriously, they, they interviewed the, the, the military U S military guys who had to attend to Saddam while he was on trial. Oh yeah. And they all like became friends with him. Yeah. And, and it's a really interesting article. And I remember one aspect of it was this was like a very secret organization of u.s military guys but they weren't necessarily the most special people in the military right they were essentially just selected and like hey this is your outpost now you're gonna be looking after saddam the homer simpson brigade (laughs) yeah right and um i guess one of the guys and they're all like sworn to secrecy one of the guys had to leave the country for some go back to the states for some like very crazy family thing right Mm-hmm. And apparently like Saddam like took him aside and was like, I'm going to miss you. Like, I'm glad like we're buddies now. And like these, these guys who were looking after him were like really conflicted because they had to kill this guy because it was a capital punishment situation. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, wait a second. Like, why? What are the why are we killing this guy <laughs> in a way they had, like reverse Stockholm? <laughs> Yeah, but also I think that speaks to uh, Saddam. And I do think that I've read a lot about Saddam Hussein just as a curiosity and uh, very charismatic and very, um, uh, I mean, well-read and smart guy. Obviously, many, uh, you know, Kuwait, he gassed the Kurds, not into that. Uh, Respect and love to our Kurdish brothers and sisters. (laughs) Yeah, that's your favorite, like, ethnic group. Uh, Yeah, I love... I love Iraqi Kurdistan. I think it's a, a really interesting place and country. It should be a nation. It should be its own nation. But mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, I do. I do think that uh, the 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 whole Saddam thing is super fascinating, and the fact that America was, you know, as you said, bloodlust, um, and then eventually, yeah, he was he was killed. And again, in that in that article, they talked about how uh, 
when he was hanged, which I remember also watching, um, he, he was, uh, um, there was, it wasn't, um, peaceful when he died. And these American right. troops were upset with that. They said that the, 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 uh, capital punishment situation they were upset with because, uh, he didn't really get, um, uh, I don't know how you say it, like a peaceful death or a peaceful send off. Right, 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 right. Um, so yeah, but yeah, Saddam Hussein. Saddam this operation Hussein. Red Dawn, man, it's explicitly named after the movie from the eighties. Yeah, yeah, right. But yeah, of, completely of twisted around, not related I, to it. I like just... how they like, yeah, they, they like gave it this like average American Joe bravado and heroism angle. And then the guys were all just like really sensitive and like affected by it. Yeah, yeah. Didn't actually want to pull the trigger. Yeah. But the uh, the their their leaders, the guys calling the shots, they wanted the, the violent death. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, um. I mean that that also could the, the 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 capture of Saddam Hussein now to I mean people online is just become that meme where like ladies and gentlemen we got him yeah and, uh, <laughs> it's that's incredible classic so Saddam um, yeah that was what 17 years ago he was captured um, by uh, Samir, a 34-year-old Iraqi-American military interpreter who helped find Saddam and pull him from his hideaway. And so, respect uh, to Saddam for not snitching. He didn't say anything. Yeah, <laughs> He absolutely. was very uncooperative. So Yeah. And who rest, would he say anything to? Rest in peace. Well, yeah, definitely rip. tried to interrogate him, but yeah. Rip. Yeah, Rip, we're, we're staunchly pro-Bosque like, Saddam podcast <laughs> that, you mean the bathist yeah. the, the yeah. bathist party yeah. yeah yeah uh yeah well the bathist oh, yeah. <laughs> the bathist eventually just became instruments for isis so uh they were they were like the um not to get too into the weeds here but uh they were the bureaucrats who knew how the the system worked and they were kind of wind socks to whoever had power so once uh iraq was kind of in shambles the uh, former bathists were like hey do you want to know how the government works pay me money and I'll do whatever you need because I know how it works. Sorry, so, I meant that we were pro-Basque, the region between Spain and France, and that we were pro-Saddam oh, yeah. independently. Those are our only two pros. <laughs> yes, yeah. That's, yeah. that's right. So yeah, um, thanks, anyway, Saddam. Saddam Hussein, for... another casualty you know, of this veil of tears that we call this world. <laughs> and, um, you know, God bless. Yeah. All right, let's uh, jump into our next little uh, little segment that we like to do. What's in the news? All right, we have uh, some 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 news. Let, let, let's go over to John in the news desk. I'm a little anxious over here. It's okay, John. <laughs> because I saw <clears throat> this article and we're getting really close to Christmas. I'm kind of freaking out because we're within the 12 days of Christmas window. Yeah, here. it's actually like way too close. I looked the other day and I was like, whoa, Christmas is right around the corner. And I tried to introduce some Christmas content last week and like Devin and I are in a poetry group, which some people have heard of. And I'm like writing poetry about Christmas and I'm really in the spirit and uh, nobody seems to be biting. So I'm going to forcibly uh, insert this story. Thank you. In this week's this week's roundup. It's all too close. That's the uh, that's, that's why. But please. It's always just us. around the corner. You know, you yeah. never can get, yeah. You got to live the Christmas lifestyle. Otherwise, it sneaks up on you. 
Um, but so this story is pretty incredible and it's the headline alone is like really good. Um, <laughs> Peruvian police dresses Santa and elves for drug raid, <laughs> which is exactly what the story is. There's like barely any, yeah. <laughs> this isn't like, <laughs> like, a, like this isn't misleading or like any kind of like, you know, uh, like, like, uh, yeah, there's no media there's no critique here. here. Yeah. 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 Um, so- it's it was like there's a video of it too and it's just two like um two uh narco agents or whatever in in mm-hmm. uh, lima in peru mm-hmm. and they're like in the back of a van and one's dressed fully as santa claus and one is dressed fully as an elf with the beard and the hat both of them <laughs> and they they just like drive by some some, some house <laughs> some gated house and they just burst in running and just immediately arrest somebody they're like not wearing yeah. like body armor they just no. tackle somebody. They run in, and apparently this is to this is done as like to like retain the element of surprise. I guess <laughs> it just seems like something not of reality, purely out of a sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> like, but yeah, it's two two tough looking guys, one dressed as Santa, one dressed as an elf, storming a house and uh, arresting people. They're both wearing masks, so. Uh... They're preventing the spread of uh, COVID nineteen, but yeah. uh, they're doing so. Uh, you know, they're they're making drug arrests with uh, holiday cheer. Yeah. yeah, and it's kind of like a uh, opposite. It's kind of a reverse, yeah, Santa Claus. Yeah, exactly. Situation. I was I was gonna say that like you expect him to come through the chimney, but then he blasts through your front door with uh, armed guys. But like, it, it's interesting because the the photo um, of and we can put this in the show notes to the uh, links to this. The photo of the, I guess we can't see it, but it looks like they have police. Actually, never mind. Sorry, you can't see it. Well, I, the, and San, Santa's wearing a beard and everything else. The the hat, the, the 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 elf is wearing like a sort of elf hat, pointy at the top, and yeah. um, they. Uh, so Santa is not giving gifts, but actually violently attacking <laughs> people, taking your possessions away, taking, seizing yeah. them. Uh, which yeah. is packets of co- cocaine or coca paste, and then uh, 166 small packets of marijuana and a gun. And a gun. So yeah. again, it's not even a big drug bust. It's pretty no. small time. It seems um, like they save these stunts for the small time. He they also run in with a hammer. Santa has a like, <laughs> a, like a medieval hammer. Yeah, like something you'd see some kind of like smith or something using. So do you think this is some sort of like? Uh, media thing that that people in peru are going to see and be like "Uh oh we better not sell drugs anymore because santa's going to come it's sort of like to up their uh paranoia i think yeah yeah for yeah. sure and i feel like, like the, the santa outfits are a way to make a drug arrest go viral in the news totally yeah it's definitely a marketing thing okay well also i would like to uh point uh to who wrote this article for cnn yeah does anybody know the name is jack guy <laughs> so, which is definitely a, so fake not a real name yeah so perhaps Jack the Jack. entire thing is is fake we don't know but it's enjoyable and it's a kind of fitting christmas moment for 2020 yeah um you know oh the, and the new york post has a really good better headline sorry proving cops dressed as santa claus elf have last laugh in drug nice. raids <laughs> yeah. which i don't know if there was ever a doubt that the people who raid people's police and arrest them usually get the last laugh yeah. 
So exactly. yeah, during the Christmas spirit, we can expect that uh, the boot that's on your neck will be will have jingle bells on it. <laughs> It'll be a festive boot. <laughs> yeah, well, um, jingle bells. I like that. I like jingle bells. All right. Well, yeah, that's that's good. Thank you uh, from the Peruvian news desk, John. I'm glad that uh, <laughs> you you uh, paid attention to the wire all week, and that's um, you know really you, flexing you, my contacts this week. Yeah, what you pulled in, and um, I know you, we were going to have an interview with uh, both Santa and his elves, but they uh, they were unable to make the Zoom because of a uh, uh, an arrest. They were yeah, stuck right. doing all the paperwork, all this red <laughs> tape that these guys yeah. have to go through just to do their damn jobs. <laughs> yeah, the red tape for Santa, that's all. The that's red and all green you, tape. You take out the it. bad guys and you have to spend a week, you have to spend your entire Christmas holidays filling out paperwork. I mean, it's almost not worth it. It's almost not worth playing by the rules. Yeah. Spoken like a true cop, Devin. Um, but anyway, like you might be but, a, okay. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm not a cop, but I am um, a, an astute business analyst, and uh, <laughs> I've got a story for you um, about 2020. About um, you know, because 2020 has had such a massive impact on our economy, and um, my brain. So many jobs have been lost, and um, you know. Uh, even some of the bigger industries in this world are not immune to that. And um, so I just wanted to quickly cover this one. Um, De Beers Diamonds, the diamond company, De Beers. De Beers Diamond sales hit decade-long low as pandemic stifles demand. Um, this is from Financial Times. Good. Um, the mining company reported 2020 sales of only $2.7 billion dollars. The lowest level since at least 2011 when it was acquired by mining group Anglo-American and worse than during the financial crisis in 2009 when De Beers only sold $3.84 billion worth of stones. <laughs> so, And that's all they're getting for these uh, illegally mined... Yeah, they've only made $2.7 billion worth of sales in 2020, so it's... That's upsetting to me. There's going to be jobs lost. There's going to just be so much tremendous uh, damage to the economy. The company yeah. De Beers and Russia's Alrosa, the world's largest producer of diamonds, have reduced the amount of diamonds available to buyers in an attempt to hold up prices. Analysts say, "Classic but, trick." So that's that's good that they're you know they're reducing the flow of diamonds available <laughs> so that they can keep the prices up. Yeah, and that has helped prices to rise as consumer demand returns. And companies restock their inventories, according to Anish Agarwal, a partner at consulting firm Gemdax. Um, <laughs> nice. I want to work for Gemdax. All of these companies sound like like alien, like the 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 mining companies an alien or something. Like yeah, they're also I mean, like techno capital future. They're, they're extraterrestrial they're, companies. They're yeah. complete Earth rapists. They just like <laughs> rape the Earth of of every like to to get a diamond. Do you do you how much like shit you have to blow up no. yeah it's insane and and like the obviously the environmental impact you're just like uh the whole diamond thing is so dumb i hate it because it's like it's, it's a scarcity game of and it's like not necessarily uh, i i don't know how to put it because i guess i don't have the economic background but like um well, yeah, they've been purposely keeping diamond supply low. Exactly. To, like, up the price, like the whole it's diamonds are forever market. campaign to like make sure that ladies don't like resell any yes. of their diamonds or like right. recycle them. 
Yeah. yeah. I thought this was a, a funny article to hit because the irony is so rich that I can't even <laughs> swallow it. It's just too much. Uh, right. And it's also like presented completely straight in this news article where it's like yeah. diamond sales are down and it's like, yeah, it's a yeah, pandemic. No like people are lining up for food. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Or is like, the diamond sales are low. Only 2.7 billion in sales this year, yeah. which is, you know, they got a haircut. It's stunning. It, it, it's like I I don't get uh there I think it was the Economist maybe uh five years ago or something like that I'm not sure if it was diamonds or or something like I think it, it may have been but it was a tweet and that was like uh why aren't millennials buying diamonds and then somebody <laughs> somebody responded and they're like I'm 38 and I work at a, a grocery store like, <laughs> like yeah like why am yeah. I not buying diamonds like yeah. you gotta yeah. be kidding me what, what, what's going on and yeah this is this is just further proof not to get it again like into the uh the weeds of now but like further proof of just like these dueling economies going at the same time where yeah. we've got people who are lining up for food but then the stock market's sweet <laughs> so it's like no everything's fine and that's like the the total normalization of you know, 300,000 people dying. It's also but, such an old like metric to guide to, to judge the economy on. Yeah. It's like, definitely. why aren't millennials buying prefab houses in new suburban <laughs> developments use, <laughs> utilizing the GI bill? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why yeah. haven't I flexed the GI bill more? It's like, <laughs> oh, that's right. Because I wasn't sent to Normandy. <laughs> um, but anyway, we can just wrap this up with uh, a little bit of sponsored content. Uh, De Beers Diamonds. Um, <laughs> Thank you, De Beers. I just wanted to remind everyone support. that diamonds are forever and that if you wanted to you. make your relationship with your, with your sweetie special this year, it's important <laughs> to show your love by getting her or him or they a diamond. And yes. we here at the Blooming Group really love De Beers Rose Cut Diamonds in particular. They actually sent us um, diamond studs as promotional yeah. consideration, and I'm wearing yeah, mine right see. now. And they're yeah, really, you guys they're look really great nice. In them. John's yeah. earrings are flashy, flashy, flashy. So I had them yes. ultrasonically cleaned at my local uh, nice. jewelry hawker. So yeah, nice. That's great. Yeah, I accidentally ate one of the diamonds. So, <laughs> so they, they say, why aren't uh, millennials buying diamonds? Some are. Some are. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now, uh, up on my news desk, I've been paying attention to the wire all week. As you know, I sleep right next to it. And, um, I found a, an amazing story. Uh, actually, I didn't find this. Somebody sent it to me. John or Devin <laughs> sent it to me. Um, man who the headline is. So this is from The Guardian. Uh, man who rode jet ski from Scotland to Isle of Man to see girlfriend jailed for COVID breach. Now, I love I fucking love this story. The man who had never driven a jet ski before believed the journey would take 40 minutes but it took four and a half hours. <laughs> so, That's such a good. <laughs> this is absolutely incredible. Um, Every time yeah, you I guess do I, something I, the, nice for a woman, it yeah. ends up being a bigger yeah, hassle exactly. than you thought. I know. And, and uh, this is our, uh, actually, I, I know I said this is a uh, part of the news desk, but this is our De Beers Diamonds Hero of the Week. Um, <laughs> the man's name is Dale McLaughlin, which is a perfect Scottish name. Uh, he's 28. He's from North Ayrshire. Uh, and he met his girlfriend in September 
while working as a roofer on the Isle of Man. So uh, if you know, if you could, as, as I like to do, pull up a map if you, uh, as you're listening and find where the Isle of Man is. You may not have even heard of the Isle of Man. What can I tell you about the Isle of Man? Very cool flag. It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, that's like the one with all the arms. The legs. Yeah, yeah, it's like legs or something. Um, what else? They do a race on the uh, island because there's just like one road that goes all around it. And the other thing that I can tell you about Isle of Man is Leonard Cohen played a festival there uh, in the 60s, I believe. And I think he read some poems at that festival uh, and played some beautiful songs. Pretty uh, ironic that he was going to the Isle of Man to see his girlfriend. Yeah, I know. Yeah, John, very smart. Okay, so yeah, Isle of Man is in between uh, Northern Ireland, um, up uh, at the northern tip of uh, Ireland, and then um, yeah, Scotland. United, not North you, you, Ireland. You can see it, right? It's just Scotland. Right, right, right. I, well, I was going to say yeah, the uh, the six counties up north, um, as we like to call them. Uh, yeah. Oh, interesting that Google Maps says London Dairy and Dairy. That's that's interesting. Okay, so I, I, I personally am a uh, uh, Republican on the Irish, um, on the Irish question. I what do you call all of the islands together? Is it the British Isles or is it the United Kingdom? What do you call it? Yeah. What's the least offensive thing to call it? I think it? it's the British Isles. But anyway, we're, we're losing Isles, track British here. Isles. Let's get back to the, the hero. This That's was right. something I was like tossing and turning last night thinking like, what do we refer to these islands as? So I just wanted to get some clarity here. <laughs> No, that's that, that's fair. Thank you. Thank you, John. British Isles. Um, so uh, after departing the Isle of Whithorn in the morning and arriving in the northern town of Ramsey at 1 p.m., McLaughlin walked 15 miles to its capital, Douglas. This guy is absolutely incredible. He's he's as I would say he's as solid as a rock, but he's, he's even tougher than a diamond. He is like... Uh, just putting in tons and tons of, of legwork, uh, gas. He's buying every, you know, like this guy is for real. So um, that that was the Guardian's coverage of it, right? And it was kind of short, didn't really go into much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, friend of the pod, the Daily Mail, <laughs> which I don't know if you know about the Daily Mail, but uh, it's tabloid and they end up just getting all of the information like they end up <laughs> interviewing parents and all that they they, they, they get mine the facebook for like posts that you made 10 years ago yeah they get in the weeds baby so daily mail's reporting of the same story i love they they put it this way romeo jet skier 28 who was <laughs> jailed for riding across irish sea from scotland to see his girlfriend on isle of man can't swim and only had 10 minutes of fuel left as his shocked mother says he could have killed himself. So it's so like, much more dramatic. It, they just like amp up the, uh, yeah, the everything about it. They just amp it up. Um, I like the Daily Mail's like. So they, but they also give way more information. Family Insider tells Mail Online, "Thick as a brick roofer can't even swim." Like they have to like impugn his intelligence. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, and that's just like um, uh, anyone in Scotland they just refer to as thick as a brick. Yeah. Dale is believed to have two children with his ex-girlfriend, Corin Hastings, pictured together. So there's a picture of them if you want to see that on the Daily Mail's website. Um, 
Yeah, and the roofer's mother is upset. He took the jet ski trip because he will miss Christmas and could have died. <laughs> so they keep bringing up this like he could have died aspect, which is very, very uh, uh, maternal, which I, you know, like they keep just mentioning that the mom thinks he could have died. And uh, so again, like he was working on the Isle of Man in September, then met this woman who he became a uh, boyfriend to. Um, and this happened night out in September after he was granted permission to legally spend four weeks working on the island, which has enforced strict border rules during the pandemic. Um, so, yeah, he also tried to go to Isle of Man previously, but was denied by uh, authorities. So he bought a jet ski and set off across the IRC, which I think is absolutely incredible because... Uh, I mean, like he just doesn't even there's there's a photo of him on the jet ski <laughs> yeah, okay. and he looks extremely prepared. They also they also mention he's wearing the Scottish saltire beanie, which has like the, the, the Scottish flag on it. So they're let, let's just say the Daily Mail is not too keen on Scotland. Um, yeah, they're trying to turn this lots into, of pictures. He looks like a they're trying to turn this into a story about, yeah, like a thick as a brick guy that kind of did something dangerous and potentially stupid. But um, I feel like this is probably one of the most heroic stories of the year. It's so romantic. Yeah, it's so romantic. He, he purchased the I jet agree. ski. That's the thing. He bought the jet ski having never used one before and not being yeah. able to swim. It's like there's something almost kind of there's a death yeah. wish in, in this story. Well, Romeo jet skier, I mean... Yeah, exactly. He Two could have, star-crossed he, he, he lovers. Could have died. Or, yeah, <laughs> it does look. It, I sympathize with this guy because you yeah. look at the map and you're like, that seems kind of close. It doesn't yeah. look like it would take that long to get there. But again, what I like about this story is that this Whatever. guy who's Scottish has the exact same perception or like knows his way around the British Isles as much as I do. Yeah, because I'm right. like, it's he was supposed <laughs> yeah. to think he thought it was gonna be forty minutes. Took him four and a half hours. Do you imagine he got like oh. halfway through and he's like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, I know. I, I, the, the, See, the feeling that I have is like putting myself in those shoes where you set off and you're like, all right, this is going to be cool. And then you get <laughs> to the point and you turn around and you're like, oh, wait, I can't really see Scotland anymore. And then you look ahead and you're yeah. like, I can't really see the Isle of Man. <laughs> and you're like in the middle of the ocean on a jet ski and you're just like, I can't swim. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So much. I would get so anxious. Absolutely. And then he gets there yeah, and, and then his foresight is like, again, shown to be not great because he lands or whatever, gets ashore. And then he just has to walk 15 more miles. Yeah. 15 <laughs> miles. 15 miles. It's like that I've song. Never, I would walk. I, I choose not to walk 15 miles. I would walk 500 miles. Uh, isn't that by a Scottish band? Like these Scottish guys are all about walking excessive distances for romantic yeah. reasons. All right, everybody, uh, let's close up this episode with a, a segment that we've been trying to explore. Uh, I just feel that I don't know shit about China and ch there's billions of people there. Um, John definitely doesn't know shit about China. And, um, <laughs> uh, it's true. Devin, Devin is where he, he will not. He hasn't. He doesn't say. He won't speak to me. <laughs> he, won't he won't confirm or me, deny so. his China yeah, familiarity. <clears throat> so I'm kind of concerned with that. Uh, so what I didn't know in the past week <laughs> is that China had its 14th 
five-year plan meeting. Yeah. So they have these five-year plan meetings, I guess, every five years. <laughs> and guess what? They had their 14th one. That was um, what was so hard about getting this segment on the show is the timing issue. Exactly. Mm. I the don't, last five years, we've been trying to get it together. but Yeah, I know. It's true. It's good timing that we, yeah, we're, we're right on time for, for this new five-year plan. It just dropped. It's, um, yeah. it's intimidating that they are on their 14th five-year plan. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, yeah, they started in 1953. I tried to work on a five-year plan a few years ago, but it, I only lasted like six months. Nice. So, I always thought yeah. of five-year plans as being like, you know, kind of businessy jargon, like stuff that like only middle managers really believe in, but apparently they work. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, well, I guess because I never understood it because I my line always used to be, and you can't use it anymore, but like five-year plan, it's like YouTube has only been around for six, but now it's been around for like 12 years or something, you know? And then people be like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. How, how can you predict the future? I'd be like, that's right. But that only worked for me for a little bit. But now I guess like, what uber like what's something that wasn't even around five years ago or some like uh cameo or only fans or something like that, you know like five-year plan get out of here I, I i'm day by day i don't even know what i'm doing this afternoon all right so um this website seems very helpful though, for learning about china chinabriefing.com yeah i know and they they have um uh emails that i think i might sign up for so i can be even more i can just annoy everyone with all my china knowledge so nice. since 1953 china's five-year plans have been the single most important guiding document signaling the policy direction for the country's future economic and social development so this is big okay so i went through all of it i read chinese i, I can do mandarin cantonese <laughs> everything um i can't so the things that i noticed in this, there's a lot of jargon about economics, blah, blah, blah. But this is what we need to look into. Investment into research and development was a resounding theme. That makes sense, right? Everybody's got to research and develop. Oh, yeah. Even us. <clears throat> With seven frontier fields highlighted for further exploration. So count these out on your hand. Artificial intelligence. <gasps> <laughs> That's a movie by Steven Spielberg from 2001, maybe. <laughs> They're going to import yeah. it. That's their first step. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever seen that movie, and I, I don't really want to. Um, quantum information. <gasps> we know that what that means. <laughs> um, it seems complicated. It seems like they're going to make information get to you faster. It's like something. information cubed. Yeah, exactly. Um, integrated circuits. That makes <gasps> a lot of sense. So... China's just going to make all the chips. And I've been reading, if you look at China, China chips, I saw the headline. It was like, China is having like chip back. And I was like, ha, Lay's potato. No, it has nothing to do with potato chips. They're talking about chips that are in our computers and in our phones. They make them all. In America, okay. you can choose between like 15 brands of chips at the grocery store. And in China, you can choose between 15 excellent computer chips uh, at your local <laughs> computer store. So that's the difference, folks. But anyway. Yes, exactly. Um, all right. So the next one is life and health science. <gasps> that's that's just uh um that one's just, not spooky. You know, that, that 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 one's just 
two words that it's I know. Like, it's spooky that they're focusing on that, whereas in our society, we're really not focusing. We're on really, that. really we're trying to get out of away from to not that. focus on. It. Yeah, we're yeah. trying to get away from from uh, life and health. <laughs> yeah, those are things that, that here and in America, science. we're just not that concerned with. <laughs> Um, okay, the next one is neural science. <gasps> so <laughs> that has to do with your brain. <laughs> yeah, we and don't want spine. them. Uh, or it means computer brains. Yeah, computer either brain. way, it's kind of spooky. We don't want them messing around up in there. Or at no. least I don't. Me neither. I, I'm, I'm with you, Dev. Um, okay, and now the next one, just really biological breeding. <gasps> Isn't does that that, that one does sound does sounds like sex sex yeah I was gonna say sex probably um so what are they gonna what are they gonna do with that what are they, how are they gonna they want they want people to have more sex or the right types of sex with the right types of partners perhaps Ooh. this is gonna be the randiest five years China's ever had <laughs> yeah they're gonna say when to do what in what position for how long and with who <laughs> they're yeah. gonna really efficient efficiently it's like, like maximize their yields on sex wednesday night is fuck night for the whole country everybody's gotta yeah everybody's gotta, everybody's gotta do it. the biological breeding must be done and thorough but yeah they're they're talking about this at the uh the plenum the fifth plenum you know like they're they're some some uh bureaucrat is up in in front of everybody talking about biological breeding i would love to i would love to to sit in on that so they have um, over a billion people, so it's like, yeah. again, they're flexing. Yeah, they are big time. And the uh, last one is aerospace technology. That makes <gasps> sense. You got to get you got to get from point A to point B. Huge country, China. Uh, right. I hope you're looking at a map while you're. I'm always looking at maps whenever I'm talking about countries. <laughs> yeah, aerospace. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of scary. Aerospace technology. That's even scarier. That is. Yeah. So. Yeah, all of those themes are, you know, they've got me, the Western man, shaking in my boots, I have to admit. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, in addition, efforts to exp expand and diversify the modern service industry will be accelerated. So that means uh, DoorDash and uh, Chinese Grubhub baristas. And mm -hmm. baristas, yeah, that kind of stuff. Um, creating new opportunities in health. I don't know what that means. Uh, elderly care, old people. Um, childcare, kids, uh, <laughs> culture, tourism, sports, housekeeping, kids at home. I don't know why housekeeping's there. It's like just keeping your house clean is a uh, government thing. Property and strengthening the supply of public welfare and basic service industries. Something the United States is not into. No. Yeah. So. Um, um, yeah. The, it's gonna the be fact funny when when China has like a really strong welfare system and then whenever like Americans point to like Scandinavian countries and they're like robust social welfare, everyone's always like, but they're tiny. Yeah. And then China's yeah. going to have us be, like completely beat. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was, but I was reading about that too. So ti tiny. They're so small. <laughs> yeah. So in the, in the uh, China briefing, China dash briefing.com <laughs> um, brought to you by uh, China briefing.com. Yeah. There, there, there is a uh, brought to you by De Beers. Uh, there is a whole section from healthcare, so about healthcare. So um, they said that, of course, in the post-COVID nineteen climate, no national policy can plan. Sorry, no national policy plan can omit the issue of healthcare, which is um, so that that's a flex too. Being like, oh yeah, 
in the United States, you guys can't figure that shit out. That's it's a so five-year like plan is dabbing on us. It's just like I know, yeah. big time. Uh, it is likely the fourteenth uh, FYP, which was the uh, the, the five-year plan. We'll see a continuation of the Healthy China twenty thirty vision that was introduced in twenty sixteen. As expected, the party recommendation uh, recommendation placed a heightened emphasis on public health and prevention and strengthening the early response system. Um, yeah, rebalance medical resources, accelerate construction and hierarchical diag diagnosis and tiered treatment, blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's bureaucrats speak for, we are going to uh, strengthen our healthcare, I guess. Yeah. And the more big words they use and the, and the longer the plan is, you know, as you're continuing <laughs> to read it. The scarier it becomes. Yeah, this, the scarier it becomes in, in contrast to the plan uh, in this society, which is not a plan. Um, the fact that they have the plan and, it's a, and they're speaking about healthcare, um, they're allowing it to be discussed, um, you know, like the five-year plans in America, the five-year plan is what? It's like a it's like a five-minute plan. Yeah, yeah, there is no five-year. Um, it's so, like it's yeah. So this is just showing us how how fucked we we really are. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it says here the difference between how this planning works, five-year plans, fifteen-year uh, plans, etc., and how planning in the U.S. works, constant gridlock plans decided by a small <laughs> set of competing oligarchs, where the plan seems to be keep the extraction machines running full blast. <laughs> and that brings that us. From, yeah. Yeah. That's a quote from me. That's I wrote that. Oh, oh, oh. I was yeah, like, yeah, is yeah. that from China briefing? <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I'm only freelancing for them at the moment, but I'm hoping for yeah. you know, a salaried position. But um, keep the extraction machines running full blast. That seems to be the plan. Um, uh, interestingly enough, that's the De Beers plan as well. I was going to say, yeah, that's the, <laughs> the five-year plan for America is how can we get the De Beers mining extraction machines up and running? How can we get the yeah. De Beers machines up and running and how can we get De Beers cracked open and poured into a nice yes. frozen chili glass? <laughs> yes, baby. Do you have that in China? They do actually. Tsing Takao's a great beer. Um, so yeah, China, you're, you're on to something it seems, uh, but I'm still skeptical because I live in the United States of America. And um, you know what? I'm, 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 I'm probably going to sign up for this China briefing um, email stuff because like some of the stuff i don't know they're in the in the five-year plan they also talk about environment and climate change let's be honest china doesn't give a fuck about climate change no. um old priority old policies new priorities blah 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 either way i i would love to see the um uh what this plenary looks like on 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 screen i'm gonna look that up later in my own free time but we'll uh we'll we'll keep up uh we'll 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 keep everyone briefed about uh, what's happening in East Asia, in Japan, yeah. as well as in China. We don't want you to think that we're like just completely um, pro-China and that we'll just sort of, you know, propagandize for them on their behalf here in the States. In five years, we're going to be counting up their goals and what they actually got done. Yeah. So stay tuned for our five-year anniversary exactly. of Thank the 14th yeah. plenum. Yeah. In 2025, yeah. This uh, is like, uh, back, we'll be here. Yep. It's like when my uh, therapist asked me like how the week was or whatever. And I'm like, uh, I forget. Uh, and then they're like, <laughs> okay, it wasn't good. So, um, and same, it'll be nice because thing, in five years, this China. podcast will be in Mandarin. Yeah. That's or right. 
Cantonese, Inc. depending Cantonese, on yeah. what Cantonese faction Cantonese. we align ourselves with. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or who they align us with. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now uh, to actually wrap it up, let's take it quick with the border town of the week. All right, everybody, uh, this week's uh, border town of the week, this week's border town of the week. Say it to me. Say it to me. This John. week's border town of the week. This week's border town of the week. Thank you. Um, listener, your turn. Thank you. Good. Okay. So, um, uh, did I already say what it is? It's Stansted, Quebec. Um, I know you've probably heard this before. I believe it was mentioned on a previous episode. If you were watching the election night stream, we did receive a call from Stansted, Quebec, of somebody who lived on the border who was eating bagel lunches daily. And uh, once in a while, their, I believe their dog would knock a bagel off the table and it would roll into the uh, United States section. And there were some uh, uh, potential border security issues. So on the other side, we have BB Plain, Vermont. Uh, unsure of what goes on there, but uh, I do like Vermont. I don't know. Dev, have you been to Vermont? I've been to Vermont uh, 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 once um, to play a show. College Burlington. Actually, no, I've been to Vermont twice to play shows both times. And um, yeah, it's a beautiful place. It kind of the the architecture of the houses is very distinct and um, it's got a really quaint, nice feeling to it. John, have you ever been? I haven't. No. Is that not New England? Is that more? Oh, it's New England, baby. Yeah. Do they do kind of French, right? Well, oh, it's New England. Like. It's yeah. I mean, like, it's obviously we're like if again, if you're looking at the map, Stansted, Quebec, right on the border, right? You see it there. I mean, there it obviously is some uh, obviously French people or, or or expatriates or whatever you want to say um, in in those areas. I don't know if the the it, it's probably more historical, right? Like, because you, you have people like uh, think about like Jack Kerouac, right? Like he was a Quebecer. Uh, or his parents were or something like that, but he grew up in Maine or Vermont or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. So they were speaking it back in the day. Actually, there's a really interesting uh, New York Times article from 10 plus years ago about uh, the, the French language in Maine, which I always find interesting. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, let's get back on track here. Um, Stansted is an interesting place because there's this street called Canusa Street or Can USA Street. Mm. Unsure of exactly how people are pronouncing it in french it's rue canusa can and it's usa the, take the street from us yes <laughs> it's the only part of the u.s uh sorry the canada u.s border that runs down the middle of the street so the the street separates bb plain vermont uh from the bb plain area of stansted quebec uh, i don't know if that made any sense but um basically if you're driving on one side of the street you're on one side of the border. And then if you are on that same street driving the other direction, you're on the other side of the border. Exactly. And if you pull so, a U-turn, you're, com- you're in you're, a world you're of pain. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're in a world of pain. So 
Local legend claims that a group of rather drunken surveyors, <laughs> when given the task of determining the U.S. Canada borderline in the region, normally, or sorry, nominally 45 degrees north parallel, uh, uh, or I don't know why I said parallel, uh, 40, 45th parallel is what I was, what, fuck, whatever, deciding to place the border right through the center of the village along what is now Canusa Street, Can USA. I don't know how the fuck they say it. History's greatest party boys. Land surveyors. Yeah, a sober land surveyor is something of myth only. Yeah, get out of here. If you're not surveying land with like a six pack in you, like, like I don't a know. Buds. Yeah, yeah, come on. Uh yeah, when you see those those uh people with the the like binocular thing on the tripod looking at stuff. Uh I once in New York City was walking around and saw somebody doing some surveying and I just stopped in front of it and and was like pretending he was taking my picture. <laughs> he laughed. It was good. Um so I have a little video here uh talking about this uh street. Let's let's take a listen. To be back probably about a quarter of a mile back on the state. They thought the border was going to be on the 45th parallel and it's actually about a half a mile north. It's basically that mistake that we have today. So, yeah, uh, despite being in the wrong place, the border was never corrected. And so it's like a... It's like the HTTP slash slash thing. Yeah. John, yeah. Call back. The mistakes that drunken people make, um, you know, make history. They yeah, absolutely. Do. And they that never change it. Ron, one of my favorite bits Ron likes to to bring up is like the drunk guy at Ellis Island or like the guy who has a really bad hangover at Ellis Island. Yeah. And then you like tell him your like extremely ethnic name and he's just like can't be hassled to like transcribe it properly. <laughs> yeah. He just wipes out family history centuries back. <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. All because he like couldn't get a good night's sleep. Like the, the amount of power that that Ellis Island guy had uh, and again, everybody in back. I, I only assume that everyone back in the day was completely hammered because, of, like, <laughs> what else are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. Like, there's way too much time in the day, so you may as well get hammered. And like, uh, yeah, but then you have to you you have to put stakes in the ground. You have to give people uh, citizenship or whatever it was back mm-hmm. in the day. Like, it's nuts. So, yeah, Stansted, I think is 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 special. BB plane on the other side. Love you. Um, Love what you got going on over there. Uh, I I like what we're developing here with these uh, border town of the weeks where um, we're seeing that the border, what initially appears to be a very kind of logical, consistent, um, standardized uh, thing is actually incredibly kind of uh, piecemeal and complicated and... um, you know, just full erroneous. of little, yeah. I mean, it's erroneous. It's it's illusory, but it's also just full of these little weird thorny issues and mistakes and kind of yeah. You know, the border is 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 much more. It's much more of a complicated thing than it may first appear. My favorite thing about this segment is um, going to the Wikipedia page to these towns I've never heard of, and then all of the photos on Wikipedia are taken from someone's car. Like they can't bother getting out, so it's like mostly just pictures of the roads. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's somebody who's just like a Wikipedia completionist, just like driving through. Like, I need to take a picture for this article. Yeah, and then move on to the next. Time. I love it. 
And um, I, I just further furthering my uh, obsession with borders, uh, having to cross the border a ton as a kid, the Canadian U.S. border, mm-hmm. and just wondering like, why is this here? Like, what is this? And like, what kind of uh, you know construct is this that we're doing? And then also like, uh, having spent a little time in Germany when I was younger, I got to like really look into the uh, old Grenze, as they call them. Uh, uh, of East and West Germany. I was really fascinated by those because they have those uh, like watchtowers, obviously. Mm-hmm. I got to go up in one. It was pretty, pretty, pretty interesting. But I mean, to be not to be cheesy, but it's pretty amazing that Canada and the US for, for the most part have a uh, beautifully peaceful border, which is good. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's kind of been the reprise from most politicians whenever uh, an American. It's been a long time since an American politician has given a speech at the Canadian Parliament. I believe uh, I believe Obama may have done one, but I know Clinton definitely did. Mm-hmm. And it's very rare for a Canadian uh, leader to speak to American government. But when they do, maybe Pierre Trudeau was the last. Uh, when they do, um, it's generally uh, uh, that's all they kind of harp about is how peaceful and loving our border is, except it is sealed tight right now um, <laughs> because of a uh, virus. And also, uh, just to kind of wrap things up and do another callback here, mm-hmm. um, we remember when Saddam Hussein was captured, and so we also are old enough to remember the evolution of the border yeah. in yes. terms of security and how yeah. you know the capture of Saddam Hussein was part of this war on terror that changed you know our the yep. the, the state of the borders and. I remember being a kid and how easy it was to cross back and forth. Yep. And then I also remember after 9-11, how suddenly difficult it was to cross and how much security there was. And Yeah. I mean, for example, Detroit, if you look at the map, look up Detroit right now, you see that Windsor, Ontario is right there. It's not very far at all. And um, before 9-11, uh, my dad and I would drive over to Windsor for dinner or mm-hmm. lunch or He'd be like, I want to get some Canadian beer or mm-hmm. I want to get a hockey stick for cheaper. Like we'd right. just drive over there and it wasn't a big deal. And even um, uh, a friend of mine growing up, his dad, they were from uh, Italy and th- there's a very large Italian population in Windsor, Ontario. And his dad would drive like 45 minutes to go get this like real pizza that he loved that was like from an Italian place. And he would have like his buddies over to watch Formula One racing. I always remember that. I'm like, where'd you get this pizza? He's like, Windsor. Yeah. It's so crazy. (laughs) Well, thanks, guys. And thanks to De Beers Diamonds for uh, giving us these diamond studs that we're wearing. You can't see them, but um, they look spectacular. Um, For the listener, picture the most like highest clarity cut diamond you can think of and you're starting to get in the ballpark of the quality of these De Beers diamonds. That's right. They're shiny as hell. Guys, thanks so much. And we will see you later. Thank you. Thank you. This is the Blue Man Group. This is the Blue Man Group. This is the Blue Man Group. This is the blue man group.